Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown and beyond. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Good morning. It is Tuesday, July 11th. It's five minutes after 11. This is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. You can find Rob M. Kendall on Twitter. You can find me there as well, Casey Daniels 317. And we're both on YouTube right now. If you type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. So yesterday I had commented that there was someone running for president, Doug Burgum. And I and I questioned, am I saying that right? I, I, I don't really know much about this guy. And you were like, exactly. If you've never even heard of him, he's probably not doing very well. So, so, so he is the guy. He was the governor of uh, North of, Dakota. North Dakota. Yes, one of the Dakotas. Yes. So, mm-hmm. uh, yes, you have not heard of him because he was the governor of one of the Dakotas. Well, he's not doing very well. Well, that's right. Because what's her what's her face <laughs> is also a governor of one of the Dakotas. Uh, Christy Nome. Christy Nome. Yeah, she's South Dakota. Yes, this guy is a very kind of under the radar Republican governor. Mm-hmm. Right. Is that the type of guy you have to be nervous about if you're like DeSantis or no, no there, worries there, there, there. There, there was a there was a time before this all became total dinner theater where you could run as a you know a competent governor of a state and say hey look I've done A B and C in my state and this is how we've made in this case I believe it's North Dakota right mm-hmm. uh, you know one of the greatest states in the union and this is what I can bring to Washington and you probably had some oxygen to be able to carve a path look this is especially with Trump right. it's a it's a 24/7 news cycle you got to do something totally wild and wacky to even get get on the news mm-hmm. much less be considered for you know, uh, somebody's primary Republican primary vote. Well, he's doing something. It's not necessarily to get on the news, though, and we'll explain. He's promising $20 gift cards to 50,000 people who donate $1 to his campaign. Uh, unprecedented move. It's never happened before by any presidential candidate, but it's a really extreme effort for this long shot. To get into the debates. Okay, so so the reason he's doing this, so what he's yeah. saying essentially is Doug Burgum again is the guy's name. If you give me one dollar, we will send you a twenty dollar gift card. And he is doing this because in order to make the debate stage, yep. you have to have forty thousand individual don uh forty thousand donors including at least two hundred unique donors in each of twenty states in order to qualify mm-hmm. so the the number must be one dollar and so what he's basically saying is I'm paying nineteen dollars I will pay you nineteen dollars to give me one dollar so I can hit the forty thousand number so that I can make the debate stage because right. if I don't I mean I'm, I'm done yeah exactly it's not like he's a oh super nice guy he wants to give gift cards out no he's trying to get his name with enough signatures so that he can debate now uh, Vivek Ramaswamy he announced a different fundraising scheme which we talked about yesterday where he's offering his supporters a 10% cut of the total money they raise for his campaign but the difference is Vivek's already qualified for the August debate 
whereas Doug Burgum has not. And it comes back to how stupid this whole thing is, where they come up with these just totally arbitrary numbers, because it appears this is actually legal and he can he can do this. And the premise of the deb- the number of donors is to show you're a serious candidate. Well, if you offer someone nine, essentially $19 for doing nothing, they're going to take the $19. This isn't because you're a good candidate and people want to be supporting you. It's because they want $19. Well, now this guy may end up on that debate stage just for doing nothing other than giving people $19. I wonder where the gift card is for. Yeah, it doesn't say in this. Our Axios has a big write-up on this. Um but it, I I love what Jordan Leibowitz, who's the communications director at Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics, said. He called it <laughs> the single thirstiest thing ever seen in politics. Hey, hey look, if you here's the thing: if you Thirsty. if you can operate in the confines of the law, go, go for, for it. it. Go yeah. for it, man. Okay, Donald Trump was truthing out. Uh, he's talking about who is this? This is the governor the, of Iowa the, who yeah, he's having a problem with. Yes, Kim Reynolds is her name. And she has decided to stay neutral in the Republican primary. So basically what she's saying is, look, I'm not for anyone. I am going to you know, be welcoming to everyone. We're happier, which unless you are just a just hardcore partisan for someone, that probably makes sense as the governor of the first in the nation primary, because think of the economic impact having all these clowns consistently in your state has mm-hmm. on Iowa. What a tourist attraction, what an economic development driver. And so why when you've got the you know the fair coming up and all of these things, and if you're going to endorse, don't do it ahead of all those things cuz you want these people here and you want them to keep coming back. Right, maybe uh bad for the country, but it's good for business at least in her state, right? But do you really think that if she did endorse somebody, it's not going to stop the other candidates from going well, to Iowa? No, but it, it but it also wouldn't have any impact. As remember when Mike Pence sprinted down here to this very studio and and endorsed Ted Cruz in Indiana in 2016. What happened to Ted Cruz in Indiana? Hmm. Donald Trump mopped the floor with him. People don't vote based on endorsements. This is one of the things that I thought is very interesting about Suzanne Crouch's campaign. Right now, Suzanne Crouch's campaign for governor is largely based around, it seems like two or three times a week, I get an email based on some establishment politician, whether it's like a mayor somewhere or a state rep or whatever, has endorsed Suzanne Crouch. Well, one... Nobody cares because most people don't even know who the mayor of Noblesville is. No offense, Mr. Jensen. You're a nice guy and we've had you on the show, but nobody's voting on that. And two, I do know, and it makes me not want to vote for your person based on who the state reps, et cetera, are, who I don't like. Well, is that Nobody a- votes based on a politician's endorsement anymore. Nobody. That's like such a 1980s way of doing things. Well, newspapers aren't even endorsing people anymore because nobody cares, to your point. But do you think that the fact that she is Suzanne Crouch is putting this out there over and over again, it's more like, hey, the establishment is behind me and I can get more money. It is. It's designed to say, you know, maybe you get like, okay, let's use, again, I'm picking on the mayor of Noblesville here and Chris Jensen's a nice guy and he's been on our show spending $36 million of taxpayer money for the Mad Ants to have a stadium is insane, and we told him that, but he's a very nice guy. Maybe you, maybe the theory is, well, okay, we're going to put out a press release that says this guy endorses Suzanne, and then maybe the local townie paper is going to write an article about that, and it's earned media. It's, it's free publicity. But the endorsement that works now 
is your neighbor. Mm. You know, in the modern world, the neighbor, the guy at the diner, your buddies, I think that has way more impact on how somebody's going to vote than state rep Sally so-and-so endorsed. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Uh, so anyway, but of course, point of all this is, of course, Trump can't stand it that somebody isn't endorsing him. She's not. Un- she hasn't said anything bad about him that I'm aware of. Uh, hasn't you know? Hasn't said anything negative about him. It's just said, look, as is her prerogative. I'm going to say neutral in this. Maybe eventually I'll pick someone. Right now, we welcome all of you candidates. I'll show you around. We'll take you wherever you want to go. Iowa's open to like what. What is wrong with that? Yeah, well, and Mike Pence has been spending a lot of time in Iowa. Sure. They all should. Anybody who's got an ounce of common sense should be spending a lot of time there. But Trump was irate about that, and he put out just an epic Trump uh, truth, so I thought we might do a dramatic reading of this. Let's go for it. All right, ready? Yep. And I... I love Iowa. Protected and expanded ethanol. Got $28 billion from China for our great farmers. Ended the estate, in parentheses, death exclamation point, tax <laughs> on farms. Made the best trade deals in history. USMCA, China, and many more. Introduced the world to our farmers and kept Iowa's first in the nation status. I opened up the governor position for Kim Reynolds. And when she fell behind, I endorsed her did big rallies Mm -hmm. and she won now she wants to remain neutral (laughs) i don't invite her to events the sanctus down 45 points (laughs) exclamation point he's just so mad when people don't return the favor with him that's a those casey is that or is that not those are ramblings of a madman they're just like (laughs) unconnected incoherent thoughts Mm -hmm. i mean he goes from you know i don't invite her to events Mm -hmm. sanctus down 45 who cares about ron DeSantis? right well he started out with i love iowa Wanting to get the Iowa vote and Iowa people behind him. And then he starts ripping on the governor and then he ends with Ron DeSantis. Like, like she didn't endorse because I don't invite her to events. Clearly, she doesn't want to go to any anyone. She don't care. Ramaswamy, DeSantis, <laughs> Trump. Uh-huh. Just come spend money here, people. Yeah. Like, God, this is the thing, Casey. Uh-huh. It's just insane. Okay, so another thing that Donald Trump has done on his Truth so- Social is he was talking about the cocaine that was found in the White House. He said, was crooked Joe Biden on cocaine when he instructed the FBI DOJ to illegally invade my home? So now, and you were gone the entire time the whole cocaine story came out about the White House. So I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about this. But before we get to that, U.S. Representative Pat Fallon said he thinks that there were fingerprints on the White House's magic bag of cocaine. So, you know, now we're hearing that you all aren't going to get any any information on this investigation until later in the month. If the cocaine was found on a bag, doesn't it have fingerprints on it? And how long would it take to answer that question? Weeks? Days? Hours? 
half an hour? You know, that's just, a, you know, Martha, Martha, that's a great question because I asked several uh, down in Texas. I asked some of our state troopers, uh, Texas Rangers and sheriffs, those kind of people who do this for a living for decades. And they all said to me that on very porous services like bags and envelopes, you'll be able to determine within an hour if there's uh, fingerprints on it within an hour. By my math, we're 192 hours from the time it was discovered, and yet we don't know because if there was no fingerprints, they could have told us immediately. So I suspect there are fingerprints, and you can run it through a database, and this was found where high-level aides and staffers are, so most of them were at fingerprinted at one time or another, so they very well may already know who it belongs to and aren't sharing it with us, and that's my greatest concern and worry. Okay, so this reminds me of the movie The Martian with Matt Damon because there's a scene in that movie where they realize that Matt Damon is alive on Mars and they have pictures and the the guy who's playing the head of NASA he says okay release the pictures but with a statement we don't want people figuring it out on their own at this point we've got no statement people are trying to figure this out on their own the secret service is now uh gonna I guess hold a meeting with the oversight committee And they're going to have some announcement Thursday morning at 10 a.m. because James Comer is investigating security failures at the White House. Well, and this would be the question that I would have. And I asked it the day after it happened. It was on with Hammer and Nigel Mm -hmm. uh, for the off the rails segment. Yeah. When I worked at the State House, it was made and this was 10 years ago. It was made very clear to me that pretty much everything you do is being recorded, recorded, filmed, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um. That was 10 years ago at a state capitol. You're going to tell me that there is any part of the White House, especially part of the White House very near to the Situation Room, that is not under constant surveillance? And by the way, who has the ability to just sneak some cocaine Mm -hmm. into the White House? Right. Like, I'm pretty sure if you're on a tour group... One, you're not getting that close to the Situation Room, period. But two, if you're on a tour group, they're checking your bags. Mm -hmm. They're seeing if you do have anything that might resemble anything illegal on you. So who is the person who can just freely waltz in and out of the White House and get that close to the Situation Room with a bag of cocaine? And who's stupid enough to To go? do it. Like, if you had cocaine, Casey. Mm Mm-hmm. You clearly, unless you are just carrying a backpack full of cocaine and don't know how much cocaine you have, which I don't know if you know, cocaine is kind of valuable and they really keep track of it. Wouldn't you be like, before you leave, I better make sure I've got my cocaine. <laughs> so who, as a follow-up question, is the one person who has a really bad track record of leaving incriminating evidence about themselves in easily findable situations? Mm. Nobody, nobody coming to mind. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. All right. It is 19 minutes after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Two minutes after 11, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Do you remember back in 1982 when... No, I wasn't alive. No, well, I remember it. Seven <laughs> Chicago residents, they were killed after taking Tylenol. There was, what, cyanide in the Tylenol, something like that. Um, and the sole suspect in those murders was found dead. And the, uh, well... <laughs> 
<laughs> the the attorney general says that he was sad about that only because the guy didn't die in prison. So James Lewis was the guy's name. He was 76 years old. He died in uh, Massachusetts. Um, and for basically 40 years, people believed he was the guy who was putting poison in the Tylenol bottles. This really changed um, forever how uh, drugs, over the, especially over-the-counter medication, was packaged. Mm-hmm. Um, there are now all sorts of ways. Safety seals. By wh- yeah, by which you can see the, you know, the, the packaging over the bottle or the, you know, the, the uh, cotton balls. Et I mean, all of these things now did not exist. And it tragically was put into place because of, uh, I believe it was seven people in total who uh, passed away because they were poisoned in Tylenol um, by taking poison inside of a, a Tylenol bottle. Yeah, I remember this. I was 12 years old when this happened. And at that time, Tylenol controlled more than 35% of the OTC pain reliever medication that was on the market. And just after, a few weeks after this, after these murders, the number plummeted to less than 8%. I mean, that's like Bud Light numbers now. Only the difference is the Tylenol was actually killing people. And it took a long time for them to regain trust with people to take that medication again. Yeah, and as we said, you know, there's ramifications of this still lasting, you know, until this day. Now, again, this guy was, they, he had been interviewed again. Now, to the credit of law enforcement, they had refused to let this go, and he remained under investigation until he died. He had been interviewed very recently, in fact. And now, obviously, they'll never know. They'll never be able to prove it one way or another. I mean, look, after 40 years, if you hadn't proven it anyway, pretty unlikely you were going to. Um, it's but, a long time to be under investigation. Well, and and look, this guy was not a, a Boy Scout who was under investigation. This James Lewis. Now, <laughs> this is a true story. So my dad was, uh, was a state probation officer in Missouri in the early 1980s, and he told me this story for years, and he's never wavered on it. He was doing a pre-sentence report on a guy at a correctional facility, and he's sitting there waiting on the guy to get there, and he looks up, and there's James Lewis. Really? The Tylenol guy just sitting there in the same little cell there with my dad, just, just oh, wow. kicking back. Did your dad ask him, did you do uh, it? Did you do it? I don't think he said anything to him, but he said, yeah, I looked up and right there was the Tylenol guy. Mm. Um, but again, one of the great mysteries in, mm-hmm. you know, American history. And now, you know, unfortunately, it looks like that, you know, unless there was some sort of deathbed confession or written confession or whatever, um, he'll take it to his grave. Yeah. Let's talk about Americans. uh living alone it's now being reported that a record number of americans live alone and marrying later 29 percent of households are comprised of just one person they're called solitaires yeah it used to be eight percent back in the 40s and then it doubled to 18 percent in the 70s and now this year it's almost at 30 percent of people living alone you know kev and i have had this conversation before in one of our uh, mentoring sessions mm-hmm. you know one of the things i told kev was the importance of whenever you choose a partner, the importance of getting that person right, mm-hmm. because uh, there is, especially as you grow older, great, I think you will find your life greatly enhanced 
by not being alone. And look, mm-hmm. Kev's still in his 20s and he's a young guy and he enjoys playing his music and he's living a rock and roll lifestyle. He's on the radio. So he's maybe not there yet where that matters to him because it didn't matter to me when I was 28 years old. But the older you get, the more relevance you are going to find in having someone that you have great, not only attraction to, but also great uh, levels of shared interest or the ability to share each other's interest in. And it's pretty depressing to think it's not just anymore. Hey, yeah, all you young people are living alone, having fun, visiting, uh, you know, Studio 54 on the weekends. It's it's like older people, people in their, you know, mid, late 30s, 40s who are, mm-hmm. you know, living a, living a life of solitude. Yeah, they say that there are some advantages to living alone. You can curate your own lifestyle. You can go to sleep when you want, wake up when you want, eat when you want, watch or listen to whatever entertainment that you want. You can keep the house as cool or as cold as you want, warm or hot, whatever. But there are actual physical detriments to living alone, uh-huh. which include actual health problems um but also things like depression because there's no one around and i've i've seen this with my mom my my father passed away eight and a half years ago and since then she's been living alone and just last weekend we we were packing up stuff because she's decided to move into a 55 and better community oh good for her and um it's like a an apartment st- style place sure and one of the things that she is most excited about and she said that uh, her and dad had a talk oh and she told him that it's been eight and a half years yeah. now and she's tired of being alone yeah because it's it's depressing. She yeah. said she can go an entire day and not talk to a single soul. Yeah. Which, of course, I felt very guilty about that I have to call her more. Yeah. But that's one of those things that uh, when you live alone, it, it can be a sad existence. Well, it is, and that's thank you for sharing that because it is. And this is another one of the things Kevin and I have talked about, how your life is like it's like an arc. Right. Because when you I remember being in my 20s and I would see people who were married mm-hmm. or, you know, had kids already. And, you know. My slogan was, you out with me, you out till three. Mm-hmm. And thinking, going, boy, those poor suckers, look at them. And, but then you do reach a point in your arc and people- You want to share your well, time with someone. You're right. People get to the arc at different times mm-hmm. and you clearly, clearly realize, and I will say this, uh, and I mean this with every fiber of my being, uh, getting uh, changing a dirty diaper for my daughter is far more entertaining and rewarding and joyful <laughs> than- than than sleeping in the back of a parking garage. Yeah, the, uh, than the drinking bars, Long Island. <laughs> the bar scene uh, does kind of lose its mystique as time yeah. but you're on. And you are entering the range, and everybody finds, as we talked about, that range by which you have said, I have maxed out my ability to find enjoyment out mm-hmm. of this. And you even kind of said here recently, wow, maybe I have been drinking a little too much. I'm going to put the kibosh on some <laughs> yeah, of that. Cutting back, being yeah. more responsible. So yes, find someone to love. Yeah, it's 1130. And tell your mom she can come visit us anytime. Yes, I will. Maybe maybe her and Mike can hang out for a little bit. It's Kendall <laughs> she, she don't Casey want any part of that. On 93 WIBC. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So it's being reported that France will join Britain in supplying Ukraine with long-range cruise missiles. These can travel 250, well, it's 155 miles. And, you know, Ukraine, they've been begging for 
ammunition. So now they're getting some. They've also been begging to get into NATO, and Zelensky just blasted the plan from NATO to put them on hold as absurd. Uh the Zelensky guy is fascinating to me because he is, and a lot of people have friends like this, where no matter what you do for them, not good enough. It's just never enough. Mm-hmm. And those sort of toxic people will destroy your existence. And if you have them ar- around you, you need to give them a stern talking to immediately. And then if it doesn't change, cut them out because they will suck the life out of your soul. And that's what this guy is. No matter what you do for him, no matter how much you give him, think about when you add up all of the money and stuff this guy's been given over the past year and a half, probably well over a trillion dollars in free crap, and all he can say is, not good enough. Right. So uh, Turkey agreed to advance Sweden's bid to join NATO. And of course, earlier this week, Biden said that uh, they're not ready, that Ukraine is not ready for NATO. And he's calling it absurd. We're ready. You're in the middle of a war being funded by another country. <laughs> you don't even have your own house in order. And you're complaining that you can't get into NATO. So when Casey came over to my house, the other day she brought a, like food with her and mm-hmm. it's great and yeah. it's been fabulous well yeah who would have known you... costco made such great tacos did you eat those well my wife ate all of them okay good and i was like really yeah we brought we brought <laughs> diapers and some chicken street tacos oh, and i had those, those and also great. some uh, belvita yeah, breakfast yeah, cookies well and so it would be like me going what no That's freaking, it. No freaking steak. That's all you brought? <laughs> Come on, woman. Yeah. I mean, this is so ungrateful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And he's complaining that, you know, Ukraine deserves respect and we value our allies and let us in. And it's one He's not th- satisfied. Never it, good enough. Yeah. And it's one thing to want to continue to want more if you think that'll benefit your country. But let's face it. Again, your country has a horrible track record of being extremely corrupt and repeatedly teaming up with tyrants and dictators and being on the wrong side of history. So it's not like you've got this, you know, incredible background of standing for truth, justice, and the way of the world. Yeah, I mean... Democratic way. Yeah, exactly. So he's expected to meet with Biden and other NATO leaders on Wednesday, tomorrow. So I thought Biden was going to Lithuania. Right. So does that mean Zelensky's going to go to Lithuania to meet with Biden and talk about NATO while his country's at war? I mean, he's well, he's he, doing a pretty good job of getting on a jet and hopping all over the place. It could be uh, could also be in was what was that magazine? Was it Vogue? Mm-hmm. Was that the one he was in with his wife? Right. The cover of Vogue. So this is interesting because what you have in Zelensky is a guy who, yes, for a brief moment in time, certainly did a very heroic thing, which is, hey, the country's under invasion. If I am captured, I'll probably be killed. And he did stay, mm-hmm. and he did lead the initial counteroffensive, which at least put the Russians at bay long enough by which the world could come in and whatever, you know, help out, give never-ending freebies, however you want to word it. But then the whole thing since the initial, hey, I'm this General, I'm this military leader, I'm going to stay and fight, has been all about him. Mm-hmm. It largely seems everything has been about, I mean, doing that magazine shoot. Like, if you're a frontline soldier in the Ukraine, how demoralizing is that? Inspiring I mean, yeah, how demoralizing is that? You know, I mean, you go from, you know, 
our world leaders of FDR, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. To this guy, hey, I'm in vogue with my wife, oh. dressed like I'm going to the mm-hmm. you know the senior prom. I mean, I, I do not care for this guy at all, and it makes me sick that our tax money keeps going to prop him up because I do not. How how can they keep running out of money? Like, doesn't this country produce or do anything? I mean, when does it end? Where is our money going? These are questions that never get answered. And all I keep seeing is this guy with his hand out going, gimme, gimme, gimme. And no matter how much you give him, it's never, never enough. Yep. Okay. Well, a Biden State Department spokesperson says that the war has been a strategic failure for Ukraine. <laughs> then he tries to act like he misspoke. A few things. So I will say, uh, with respect to your first question, we believe the war has been a strategic failure for Ukraine. Uh, the secretary spoke to this in a speech he gave in Helsinki uh, last month, I believe it was. Uh, what's that? So, I'm sorry. A strate- excuse me. A strategic failure for, for Ukraine. Uh, thank you for the correction. Um, uh, which is, oh, I, I, I need more than one cor- correction today. A strategic. This is the first time at the podium for, for a week. I'm a little. Ru- I'm apparently a little rusty. It's a big joke, isn't it? I misspoke as a little rusty. But I don't think he misspoke at all. I think it was a Freudian slip. It has been. I mean, it has been a disaster for Ukraine. Think about if somebody says, here's, and again, we're just making up a number because we don't know because there's no accounting. There's no auditing. You have no idea how the money's being spent. If somebody gave you a trillion dollars and you're no, I mean, you're no better off than you were a year ago between munitions, money, mm-hmm. whatever, you have the support of the entire world and the best you can do is a stalemate. I mean, I thought the Russian army was this old, tired, inefficient, ineffective thing. Well, yeah, that is a disaster. Then it has been a failure. You have not succeeded. And I am sick of our printed money, my money, your money, and the money of our future generations, which is on top of it being their money they don't get to vote on. It's driving the price of everything up because that's printed money mm-hmm. going to these people without any accountability. Right. No one ever demands accountability for where the money went. There's no ROI. There's no there's no you know investment analysis. Right. Like, you know, when we talk about our guy, Bill Dimery, every so often, you know, he sits down with his clients and says, OK, here's where your money's at. Here's the return we've gotten on it. Here's how this we project this these funds or this mechanism is going to go. Maybe we'll move it. Over. There's none of that going on here to the American people. Maybe it's going on behind the scenes, but we certainly don't know. And we're the ones paying the tab. Yeah. Well, and the Biden administration said that they were running on transparency, right? Well, there's no transparency with this money. So after Biden is done meeting with uh the Zelensky, wherever they're going to be in Lithuania or some undisclosed location, he's going to travel to Helsinki. And then on Thursday, he's going to celebrate Finland's recent entry into NATO. And he's going to meet with other Nordic leaders. It is 1142. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. I wanted to uh, play this audio for you. It's Chris Christie. This guy claims that he's running for president. Yes. But he's doing nothing to talk about his plans. Yeah. Everything out of Chris Christie's mouth is about bashing Trump. I mean, that is his whole reason for saying he's running for president. Well, and you know, Casey, my least favorite part of every show, and I've been so sad that I was gone. Well, I was happy the reason I was gone, but I've been so sad that for basically 10 days, Mm -hmm. I was unable to come on and let everybody know that my least favorite part of every show is where I have to come on these airwaves and tell everybody how right I was. Mm-hmm. But if you we go back in our time machine, whatever it's been, a month, two months, and we talked about why he was running, we said he was running, 
not to win because he knows he can't win. He's running for his next job. He's running for his television time and his next job or book deal or spot on cable news or whatever is based around how much damage he can do to Donald Trump. And that's why people put it. He offers nothing. There's nothing Chris Christie has to offer. He hasn't been a governor in a very long time. He's done nothing the past seven, what has been now seven years since he had a terrible campaign the first time. He, and he was a completely corrupt, total zero as a governor when he was a governor. Mm-hmm. There's nothing he has to offer. The thing he has to offer to the media is he's mean to Trump. Right, exactly. And I'm glad that you said he's looking for his next job and you didn't say something like a cabinet position. Because at this point, Trump is clearly the front runner pulling ahead of everybody. And there is no way that Trump is going to put him in no, any sort of not. position in his administration. But here he is, the guy who claims he's running for president... One minute when he can't talk about anything except Donald Trump. Here's why he doesn't care about the American people. He, he, he droned on for an hour and a half yesterday in Iowa. He lied about the farm deal with the Chinese. They haven't even complied with a quarter of what they agreed to Donald Trump to do in terms of buying soybeans and other things from the uh, farmers in Iowa. Um, and he spent the rest of the time talking about his own indictment. Um, this is not somebody who's fighting for the American people and their future. This is all about his ego. What he cares about the most is trying to undo the loss he had to Joe Biden in 2020. But since he's a three-time loser, having lost in 2018 uh, the House of Representatives, lost the White House and the Senate in 2020, and in 2022, um, he wound up losing two more governorships, another seat in the Senate, and we barely won the House by five votes when, in fact, uh, you know, you had a president whose popularity was at 35 percent. So So he's in this for himself and himself only uh, and not in it for the American people. So that's like pot calling the kettle black. He's in it for himself. This is guys just talking about nothing that he's got other than what Trump doesn't have. And he recently said, Chris Christie said that Trump goes to bed every night thinking about the sound of that jail cell closing behind him. Okay, Casey, Mm -hmm. let's take a break. And during the break, I have a homework assignment for you (laughs) and our audience. Okay. Because when we come back, I would like to have a discussion with you about is there a way to point out what should be obvious areas of concern relating to Trump that people will actually listen to and not come off like Chris Christie. Okay. So let let's let's delve into that when we come back and this is a this is a play at home exercise. So that's what I want you to do. Is there a way for us to have a conversation about what should be obvious areas of concern related to Trump without coming off like Chris Christie? <laughs> I don't know if it's possible. We'll find out. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Good 
morning. It is 1151. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. He's on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. I'm on Twitter at Casey Daniels 317. I'm also on threads and Instagram and TikTok. Casey Daniels 317. Too much. I know. You become that person. I know. I don't want to be that person. I did it for the show, Rob. You can find us both on YouTube right now. Just type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. So Donald Trump's lawyers, they're asking a judge overseeing his classified document case to indefinitely delay setting a date for the trial. They have argued that holding a jury trial during the presidential election would strip him of his right to a fair trial. Well, we talked about this, that they had set that August whatever date, mm-hmm. and it was like, man, that's really fast, and there's no way, given the complexity of these documents and whatever, and appeals on who can see what or have access yeah. to what that's going to happen. And look, again, I would, I would be very surprised if anything happens this year, and it looks like Trump's people are... Working kinda, to delay it, move it back. Right, because keep in mind, if he is president, well, he can't prosecute a sitting president, mm-hmm. so... He, you know. He's hoping for that outcome for sure. Uh, real quick, before we get in, because I had asked you to do some homework and our audience to do some homework during the uh, during the commercial break, I do want to let, let everybody know we will have Curtis Hill on tomorrow. Yeah. So we're going to talk to him about his, uh, his campaign for governor, why he's running, what he thinks the path is, what he hopes to accomplish. And um, so we'll have him on tomorrow, I believe, in the 9 o'clock hour. So look forward to that. Okay, so during the break, we played that audio of Chris Christie, and of course, he's completely ridiculous and a total goof and a buffoon and whatever. But there are many areas of valid concern and criticism over Trump. And we have reached a point in this equation, and we get this all the time, where when you point out the things that the average person should be able to look at and go, that's really concerning, it's some sort of weird shutdown mechanism happens in people where it's, why all the Trump bashing? <laughs> Why are you so mean to Trump? And when we do it with any other person or politician, people like it. They love it. Oh, that's why we listen to you. You bring the heat. You guys say it how it is. Mm-hmm. But yet when we do the same thing with Trump, there's some sort of shutdown mechanism that takes place where we can't even have the conversation on two levels. One, the policy or lack of policy or failed policies itself. And then what sort of candidate this guy is in a general election. And so my question to you is, and the audience at home, is how do we have a conversation where we point out viable and valid areas of concern with the guy without people just completely shutting down and going, that's it, I'm changing the radio. Now, yeah. you don't actually change the radio. We see the numbers. We know you don't. But we shouldn't we be able to have a real conversation about it? Like, we're not Chris Christie going, he, the last sound he's going to hear is a jail cell door. Right. We're not that. Right. But there are many areas where Trump is just full of crap. Okay, so we discussed that poll earlier that says one in five Republicans feel it would be disloyal to back another candidate. That's so disturbing, so, isn't it? Disloyal. The word, I think, using disloyal is like this weird trauma bond. Um, but you're really good at pointing out areas of improvement that are needed. Yeah. And I'm good at pointing out things that were done correctly. Yeah. So I thought if... If I take the stand of all the bad things, it just sounds like someone who should be on CNN or MSNBC. Yeah. It's it's hard to do. Um, but I think Trump has done a lot of good things, and maybe that's what people are hanging their hat on to. 
like installing three support Supreme Court justices. Sure, absolutely. And like I've, creating Space Force. Absolutely. Really? We like the Space Force? Like changing the tax code. Okay, I'll give you that one. So let's let's think about this. This is your job for tomorrow is to continue to think how we as adults can have an honest conversation about valid areas of concern without immediately shouting, that's it, I'm changing the radio. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. Good job today. And thank you for listening. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Rock, rock, rock with me.